Now, children of the surf, do you think there are seven wonders of the world? Well, here's the eighth. Little Stevie Wonder. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of That Record Got Me High. I am Rob Elba, and it's great to have you guys here. I am in Seattle still, so I'm doing my uh, uh, Seattle shows. I haven't found anyone actually in Seattle to interview yet, uh, <laughs> but I do have a guest. Uh, and uh, Steve, uh, where I didn't ask where you are. Are you in, I'm in Chicago. Chicago? You are in yeah. Chicago. Okay, so we have as our guest Mr. Steve Dawson. Uh, singer-songwriter, uh, you may know him from the Chicago band Dolly Varden, and uh, and you have a, a new release on uh, Pravda Records, right? And it's called At the Bottom of, of a Canyon in the Branches of a Tree. Yeah, that's it. Which sounds, yeah, that sounds awesome. That's, that's a great title right there. I'm like almost okay. in already just from that title. <laughs> Oh, good. Excellent. All right. So you are in Chicago still, and uh, we're doing an early morning session because uh, just because that's what we're doing. We're doing early morning. That's what happens when you get older. You do things in the morning and drink coffee instead of uh, (laughs) instead of hard liquor. Right. Right. All right. So, Steve, uh, and just digging into your music and your history, the record you picked isn't necessarily something that I would assume, you know, that you could draw a straight line to. So, uh, which is always interesting to me when people pick something, you know, that I wonder, well, why did they pick that one? But so, uh, what is the record you picked that we're going to talk about? I picked Stevie Wonder's record, Inner Visions, um, which was a record that just blew my mind when I first heard it as a teenager. And um, yeah, it's probably not apparent in what I do, I guess, but. I definitely draw a lot of inspiration from Stevie Wonder in a lot of different ways. Right. So, all right, so this came out in 1973, and it was his 16th, it was already his 16th (laughs) studio album in 1973. Yeah, and he was 23 years old. He was old, I know. You know, when I listen to things like this and then I read, I wonder how old he was at 23, I I think about where, like, I was. (laughs) It's insane. It's insane, yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, so you, this came out in 73, when did you hear it? Do you remember when you first heard it? Yeah, because I I moved up to Idaho to the middle of literally nowhere when I was in seventh grade. And there was one radio station that only played country music, like popular country music of the day. So I had it was there was no music that I was interested in anywhere. But luckily my stepmother had been a DJ at a college radio station in San Diego oh, and nice. had a bunch of cool records. And I think she, it would have been probably in like 72, 73. So she had 
kind of all the cool records from that year, those years. And so I just started going through her record collection and listening to all that stuff, and that really has informed the music that I love. And when I've landed on this one, I was just like, what is this? Yeah. And I had remembered, like, Don't You Worry About a Thing from being a hit on the radio when I was a little kid in San Diego. That was a big, you know, radio hit. And Higher Ground was. So some of the songs I... I I remembered once I heard him on the record again. It's like, oh yeah, that song. But um, yeah, it freaked me out when I first heard it. For sure. <laughs> so, uh, how old are you? Uh, are we talking about then when you heard this? Like, uh, you were like uh, seventh grade. Been... I, I can't remember. How old are we when we're in seventh grade? <laughs> seventh grade was uh, like eleven, twelve. Oh, okay. And then I, it probably was more like when I was fourteen or fifteen when okay. I grabbed this. Right. I started going through the records. Right, you were going through. So what other stuff were you listening to at that time? What, what were you into? Um, she had some Neil Young records that, like, After the Gold Rush was a f- super favorite. Right. And uh, some of the, like, I think Exile on Main Street was one of the ones in there. Oh, wow. So you had, you had, um, a good ta- you had really good taste as a 14, uh, 15-year-old Well, it was kind of like that's what was... That's what was available, you know. Luckily, yeah. she had the, a lot of the cool records. Yeah, she had luckily a lot she, of didn't, the, she didn't just have like Kiss and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> so Marvin, Marvin Gaye records. I remember those. Right. Uh, Roberta Flack and Donny Hathaway stuff. So you yeah, were just so exposed was, to all like really good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So this one, yeah. I mean, I was the same. I mean, obviously. Me, like so many people, know Stevie Wonder and know uh, he's a genius, musical genius. I had never, I, w- in listening to it this week and going over it, I realized, oh yeah, I know these songs because just a lot of these songs I've heard over the time. And, right. um, and I, I never got to take a deep dive into it uh, before. Yeah, he, uh, and then reading about it, uh, you know, realizing that he played just about everything on most of the record. It's all him. And that's a thing, too, as I was as I was, you know, first listening to this record in Idaho and then looking at the liner notes. And I was just like, well, that must be a typo. Right. Played, <laughs> that's impossible. He played everything. <laughs> yeah. Like even drums. And he's a freaking great drummer. He's it's, great. Everything. You know, I was thinking, I guess I put him uh, in the class of like someone uh, like like Prince or someone, some right. kind of virtuoso that could literally do anything. Yeah, musically, and uh, and uh, he's like that, and also just sing like he, um, an unbelievable singing voice. And the, the thing about people like this virtuosos is they make it seem like effortless too, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess he was using new equipment on this too. The um, synths uh, were just coming in uh, synthesizers. He had right the, uh, these the two arm. like uh, computer music guys were involved somehow i was watching a video yesterday about them these two guys oh right the guys that did uh, tonto right it was called tonto yes Yes. yeah so he's in this room that basically is the whole wall is a console and they're as he's playing the keyboard they're tweaking the sounds and stuff (laughs) yeah it's super cool it is cool and it's and when you listen to it now you you hear how it because a lot of it sounds almost because uh, they used it a lot later on like in the late seventies and the eighties right uh, so it almost some of it can sound like cliche and like oh I know that sound but you real uh, it's hard to imagine how groundbreaking it must have seemed then in right? right like yeah those sounds had not been heard 
Right. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. And then people, I'm sure some people heard him and said, oh my God, I have to do that too. I, I want that, you know, on my record. And I um, will say too, like, for some reason, he's able to make them sound really cool. But other people, like in other hands, they sound kind of cheesy. Just, just cheesy. Yeah, right. That's yeah. true. And I was gonna, uh, yeah, I was gonna definitely mention that going through it because it, it obviously over the years, over his career, especially maybe later, some of the stuff he did may be a little cheesy. Right. But uh, yeah, especially on, on records like this, you realize that the songwriting is so strong and it's so it's so good that it uh, sort of transcends what whatever you a bias you may have about the how it was mixed and how the sound, you know, got kind of cliche when it's this good. It really doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Whereas some if someone's just using the sound and they're making like a cheesy dance track that has nothing <laughs> behind it, then, yeah, it's just going to sound bad. So were you, did this, you were into this, so did this make you sort of a lifelong Stevie Wonder fan? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I, you know, went backwards and forwards looking at all his records through the years. The next big one for me was, I think the two records after this was Songs in the Key of Life. And I remember listening to that one and being freaked out too. <laughs> Yeah, that I, I actually I, I remember that when I was young too, just because I had an older uh, a cousin who I remember when that came out, and he play he uh, I would would be hanging out with him, and he would play that all the time. So yeah, that that album I definitely remember, uh, just you know hearing it, and you know even then realizing even though I was a kid, maybe my tastes weren't as sophisticated as yours at the time. <laughs> I was listening to like Foghat and you know Led Zeppelin <laughs> and things like that. Which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that either. But I just wasn't that. Uh, I didn't expand to, to so many different kinds of music. But even then, you know, you realize when you hear something that's really great, it's the real deal. You really, even if it's not your cup of tea necessarily, you'd have to be an idiot not to right. appreciate it. You know, and uh, yeah, there's there is so much to appreciate on this. Uh, even though uh, a lot of it can is almost uh, kind of jazzy, and especially this this first the opening track, yeah. Which yeah, as people who know me, I'm I'm not a big jazz fan, so usually the hairs on my neck go up uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I hear something jazzy. But it's still, uh, I mean, the the first song is still it, it's really a great song, and then w once you get past the little uh, uh, fusion uh, jazz, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, it's still, and, and, uh, again, it, it's just, it, it's all him except there's some, uh, vocals, backing vocals, uh, on it. Uh, but it's still, it's, it's so great. And, uh, and, and it has a message, a little anti-drug cause there's a little, a little anti-drug, uh, vibe going through th this record, right? Yes. It seems like it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Which is fine. You know, Hey, uh, you know, he's, uh, I think he's, he's obviously a very spiritual person, and he's probably all about finding, you know, getting high on on nature and on life and, you know, and things like well, that. Well, probably from the background that he grew up in, he saw drugs being a really something that really destroyed lives. Right. Um, so he was coming from it from a different perspective than people that just do it recreationally to, right. you know, to have a good time. Right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a good point, actually. OK, cool. All right. So let's listen to the opening track. Let's listen to too high. Yeah. 
She's a girl in a dream She sees a four-eyed cartoon monster on a TV screen She takes another puff and says it's a crazy scene That red is green She's a tangerine I'm too yeah, so just just listening to it, uh, listening to the the drums and the bass, and realizing that's him. I don't even know. Uh, like Steve, can you can you figure out how he even did this? Like, what did he play first? Did he play the drums first? That's an excellent question, and I would love to know the answer to it because yeah. the drum. Some now, some people like Todd Rundgren has made records where he plays everything, and so has Paul McCartney, and and I've heard that they do drums first, which is possible. And it's possible that that's what Stevie Wonder did. I'm not really sure. He very well may have done the initial keyboard part first because his his timing is probably impeccable. Right, it right, right. was then so that he was able to to play that and keep an internal metronome and then put the drums. I don't, I don't really know. Right. Right. I would yeah. love to hear him talk about that. <laughs> oh, I know. Because even because back then, 1973, like now you, there was more uh, technology where you could, you know, sink in and you could adjust, fix things, but they didn't have right. that then. So yeah, I, no. I, I think it's just a, a, probably a, a matter of him having all the music in his head already. And uh, as you said, he probably has perfect pitch, perfect timing. So he's probably able to just lay down whatever and then just keep playing over it. It's just, it's amazing to listen to it it almost makes me feel sad like people ask me uh, you know because i play music i'm a musician but if people say ask me if i'm a musician i say well yeah but then i think something like this and i think am i really well <laughs> he's he is completely extraordinary yeah i we mean can't. there's we, we very can't few people us. like you mentioned prince or i mean there's hardly anybody else on that level really right so yeah. uh, do you think i was gonna ask you do you think he's obviously singing uh about a girl that gets uh, involved in drugs. I'm thinking uh, crack, maybe crack, because he's talking about maybe you know taking puffs and everything. But obviously marijuana, not marijuana, because she ends up dying. You know, he said, uh, right. "Did you hear the news about the girl today? She passed away." What did her friends say? They said she's too high. So uh, I was wondering if it's about it was about someone in particular. Yeah, I don't know the backstory of it, and I remember listening to it as a teenager. And not even really knowing what he was talking about other than, well, someone's taking drugs and died. But I didn't, you know. I, right, right, right. I didn't really get it, I guess. Yeah, well, that's probably good. It's probably good that you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. If, I mean, I don't know the history of crack, <laughs> crack cocaine. It was, if it was around in 1970. Oh, yeah, how far back it went. I don't know. But I, I, the only thing that makes me think it's about someone spe- specific is when he talks about uh, her words were superficial paradise. She had a chance to make it big more than once right. or twice, but no dice. She wasn't very nice. So we actually, so we threw that in that she wasn't very nice. So. That might just be for the rhyme. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. That's true. Good point. Um, all right. So now he has a vision. For a perfect world, right? Yeah. Yeah, which sort of, I think, ties into the album concept, uh, Intervisions. Is it just a dream? I feel like even though as uh, positive as a lot of this record sounds, there is a little dark undercurrent in a lot oh, of the songs. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, yeah, that maybe aren't apparent on the surface, but they're they're there for sure because he was a deep dude. There's a clip on YouTube I watched yesterday of this sort of like there was a promotional film they made about when the record came out. And it's got Barry Gordy on there, who was against this record and who was also against What's Going On, which came out right before it, I think, oh. because there are two 
to him, they're too political, and he wanted to make pop records. Right, 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 right. And um, he's sitting there with Stevie Wonder, and Stevie Wonder recites the lyrics to this whole song, the Vision in My Mind song. Right. And Barry Gordy kind of pats him on the shoulder and says, hey, let's talk about superstition. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that was a big record. <laughs> right. So he did, not want, he did not want to go into it. Ah, that's funny. That's interesting because I have a little, I have a theory later on towards the end of the record about Barry Gordy. Um, that's cool. All right, but let's listen right now to song number two, Visions. some uh, guitars he does have he has Dean Parks and David Walker adding some uh, mm-hmm. acoustic and electric guitars which is really great so uh, it, it shows probably he has something in his head that he wants to sound so when he feels like if he need, if he wants to bring someone else in to add uh, a touch he'll do that which is cool which shows that he just wants uh, to make uh, probably the song as best as he could and what he wants to hear right it's also interesting that the sequencing wise that song too I mean that's a not anywhere near a hit song. Right, know? right, right. Usually the hit would be toward the top half of the record. Right. Yeah, probably. I'm I'm thinking maybe because it sort of ties into the concept of the record and what he wants. So he's right. uh, this is definitely this is a this record is an is a piece of art. And yeah, like you, you were saying about Barry Gordy, I could picture them, you know, they, they just want to hit record from him. That's all they want. Right. But yeah, definitely. I, I guess some people think this is where he started to really be more artistic and think about things as far as not just making mm-hmm. uh, pop records, but doing more. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, he's he's basically, you know, singing about this world, this a perfect world, but he's, you know, is is it is it something real that's attainable, or is it just something in his mind? You know, right. And I guess it's it's a lot of uh, the records kind of a, a ironic. There's a lot of irony because he got in a really bad uh, car accident. Like, right? I didn't know that until yesterday when I was you looking into this. Like right after the record came right. out, he nearly <laughs> nearly died. Yes, yeah. I, I didn't know that either. He, he was oh. in a coma, and it was yeah, it was uh, really serious. It's one of those crazy things that uh, obviously, but and and then also he he's such a spiritual person that he doesn't believe anything happens you know by accident, not for a reason. Right. So yeah, because really uh, some of the songs uh, when you read. Uh, when you read the lyrics and know what happened after it, it is it's pretty chilling. But who who are we to say? Yes, Stevie could very well be right, and uh, you know. The other thing is when I as I listen to it again, because I think of it as individual songs, but the 
they all run together. There's no silence between songs. Yes, right. I was going to mention throughout. that. Yeah, which definitely yeah. makes it very art, more of a uh, seems like an artistic piece. And uh, there was a lot of thought in uh, to how it yeah, was. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I I, love I, that. I, it is. It's great. And uh, and it goes into this next song, which oh man, this next song uh, kind of like um, kind of like the epic centerpiece of the song for me. Uh, it's just it, it's great. Let's listen to it a little bit, and then we could talk about it. This is. Living for the city. A boy's born in hot down Mississippi, surrounded by four walls that ain't so pretty. His parents give him love and affection to keep him strong. Moving in the right direction, living just enough, just enough for the city. His father works some days for 14 hours, and you can bet he barely makes a dollar. His mother goes to scrub the floors for me. Once again, him playing and singing everything, which is unbelievable. I think he's never had a better vocal performance. Oh, it's, it's so just, good. It, it's just stunning. I was getting chills just listening to it now again. Yeah. And then as he goes through the story, because basically it's, it's a story of a kid from Mississippi who moves to New York and then gets uh, taken advantage right. of, you know, gets caught up in the wrong, uh, the wrong people, gets sentenced to jail. But you hear him getting angrier as the song goes on, you know, yes. and digging into it more. Well, I got to say, I mean, I know that for people, for black people listening to this, it was an affirmation or it was like finally someone speaking out, someone saying things that we already know. Right. For me, for like a teenage middle class white kid, a lot of this stuff was stuff I didn't know. Right. And so, you know, he's got police brutality in there, racism, obviously. Yeah. And just the, the perils of 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 poverty and just systemic poverty and all that stuff and I was just like damn you know you you learn a little bit about civil rights and stuff like that but I this, this was bleak and uh explicit and you know I learned a lot listening to this record and it led me to other records by him and other people so yeah it was ed very educational yeah and it's thank thank god we're like 40 50 years on thank god all that's in, in the past now <laughs> yeah right that's what i'm it's sad really when you when so uh, when you read and think about it jesus you know we really right. haven't come that far and uh this this really could have been uh could have been written uh recently totally and yeah. uh yeah yeah that's rough um he, yeah he's got a i didn't realize he's got a uh a line uh in there uh some of the dialogue he asked one of the janitors in the studio to say uh, the line uh, Get into that cell uh, line, oh. and uh, yeah, a Public Enemy sampled that on uh, Black Steel in the Hour of Chaos. A ballad behind bars, or you could say, real rock from the rock, an unusual musical happening in a most unusual place. The state prison. I got a letter from the government the other day. I opened and read it. It said they were suckers. 
I didn't know it was a janitor. That's awesome. I know it is, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, and just the fact, the way he used the uh, the sounds of the city and the dialogue and and yeah. weaves it into the song is just—it's so great. It's so cinematic. Yeah, you can just it see it. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, it's great. It's just such a great song. I mean, the and, other thing too. So it's a message song, but it—you can totally turn all that off and just love the groove and the feel of it because right. Just a, kick-ass song exactly so, yeah, yeah exactly which is which yeah. is um which is great because uh yeah like you said there's layers to it and there's layers to a lot of the uh, to just about everything on this record because you can just yeah. take it at surface and it's just so great and the songs are so catchy and funky but yeah there's definitely you could hear him wanting to you know wanting to talk about real things and things that he right. was concerned with and i guess that a lot of people weren't yet talking about all right, so now finally we get a little love song, like a classic. A sweet soul. song, yeah. Yeah, sweet song um, to break up some of the heaviness. Uh, but it's still, it's a great song. Uh, let's listen to Golden Lady. I'm, I'm imagining listening to this, like whenever you listen to this, it brings you back, right? To, to sure. that time when you were listening to it, when you were, uh, did you get, so uh, did you get uh, a possession of these records and get to keep them or did you have to get your own or how did that work? Uh, well, when I left, when I left home and went to college, yeah, they stayed there, but I've over the years pretty much bought all of these records myself. So right. I own them all myself now. But, oh, okay, yeah. nice. <laughs> One thing that struck me about that is, well, a couple of things. One, it's that it sounds like a Motown song. Right. And it's a love song, and what he basically, his entire career up till that point had been love songs. So it's a return to like, oh, it's this is the Stevie we know and love. Right. <laughs> but the lyrics are so much about seeing. And I remember thinking that when I was a teenager, it's like, but isn't he blind? Like, I didn't know that much about him. I was like, but I'm pretty sure Stevie Wonder's blind. Right. And this song is all about seeing. <laughs> right, right, right. It just struck me as, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, it is interesting. Um, yeah, he, he I, I think that's, you know, probably that's all part of uh, what made him special, such a special and spiritual person was that mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure in a way he had, uh, you know, he just, he felt like he, you have to see things in, in other ways. Right. And I think right. he really did that. 
I remember, I remember years ago, I read something, an interview that was that with him, or he said something that would really seem kind of sad because it was, it was, it was, you know, he was older and he, he just said like, you know, we asked him about the blindness and, and he just, he also said, he said, you know, it also sucks though. It also kind of sucks right. being blind and he was just being very, you know, not, yeah, it, sure. not putting such a positive spin on it that it could, right. even, sometimes it just really sucks. Uh, <laughs> which was sad all right so now we get a song we don't uh, i guess we don't we could just mention red hot chili peppers we don't uh people who the fans of the show would know that i have a personal thing with the red hot chili i don't know what it is <laughs> i'm not a big fan of the red hot chili peppers but i'm, I'm sure a lot of people you know heard this song and and uh, discovered the song through them because this is a really big song for them covering it right yeah, I can't stand their version of this song. But uh, because I have such a relationship. I, I was hoping you weren't going to say, oh, No, I, I, because I have such a relationship with the Stevie Wonder version, and right. it's so funky, and their version is just so white, for lack of a better word. It's just so plodding, and I just can't stand it. Yeah. Yeah, all right, good. So we got that out of the way. We don't have to mention <laughs> them again, and let's listen to Stevie Wonder's Higher Ground. Such a groove and so funky, and again, he—it's him playing everything. But man, just the lyrics. When you think, I'm so glad, I'm, I'm so darn glad he let me try it again because my last time on earth, I lived a whole world of sin. I'm so glad that I know more than I knew then. Going to yeah. keep on trying till I reach my highest ground. It, it's crazy when you think, uh, like we said, he got in that really serious accident after, right. and it, it's yeah, it's just yeah, crazy, like and it's almost how could you not think that maybe you know he's right, and it, it all is sort of tied in. Well, and who thinks that when they're twenty three years old? Oh, I mean, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Not uh, not me. <laughs> Plus, I was thinking now that's how you open side two of an LP. Yes. Like that is just a groove. Yes. Right? Oh yeah. yeah. Undeniable. So great. And you, uh, so uh, obviously originally vinyl, but do you have it on vinyl still or was it CD? I I have both. (laughs) Do you? I have vinyl and a a CD. Right, right. I miss, I don't know. I'm one of these old, especially doing this show, um, records just, I, I don't know, you know, records are the thing like like you said just the just the uh, turning them up flipping them over and you have a side two and if it's a great like this one has a great opening side two track there's just you just miss yeah, that and, and they they were all the records of this era were conceived that way like that someone would have to get up flip it over so you want you want this burst of energy at the top of side two right right uh, what are we gonna do? It, that's the way it goes. It's <laughs> progress. Although uh, vinyl is really uh, now your latest your th- uh, latest uh, thing you're putting out now. I, I, I but from what I hear, it, you you can't even get vinyl press now. It's like really hard because there's a yeah. We must have got lucky because so ours ours made it through in the in the right amount of time, and we have them. Oh, do you really? But, um, but yeah, a lot of people are having a lot of trouble, a lot of delays. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I've I've heard that. 
This episode of That Record Got Me High podcast is brought to you by our patrons at Patreon. What is Patreon? Well, I've only been telling you about it for the past three years, but Patreon is a platform that allows you to support artists and creators that you love. How do you become a patron? Well, I also mentioned this too. You go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH or just go to patreon.com and search for That Record Got Me High podcast and become a patron of the show. It's fun. It's, well, I don't know how fun it is really, but uh, it really helps out and we appreciate you and we have special patron curated episodes and we send out newsletters and uh, it is fun. Let's, I'm just going to go on record as saying it's kind of fun. Go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and become a patron today. crazy all right so i don't know i mean i don't know uh, how much of a religious person you are i mean not <laughs> not very I don't want to put you on the spot <laughs> not i don't very, follow yeah. any organized religion right yeah i mean same with me me neither but i don't have a pro i also don't have a problem though uh with things i know some some people i know friends of mine get triggered whenever they hear jesus someone mentioning jesus something like uh. that. but i don't i don't have a problem with that and i definitely don't have a problem with his spirituality because he's not preachy about it at all. No. Yeah. No. He's not. And, and this, and this song, Jesus children of America, he's actually taken some digs here on those who may it's not. Sound, yeah. It's a diss song. And I didn't, I didn't, as a teenager, I had no idea who he was dissing. Right. <laughs> but it felt like he's pissed off at somebody. Yeah. Like yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's great. It's, it's basically people I think that don't practice, uh, what they preach and, you know, right. and maybe, you know, right. say they're uh, religious, but maybe, uh, maybe, maybe they're not really listening. You know, they're, they right. talk about Jesus or hypocrites. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of that now. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but I guess we did. He did back then too. Uh, yeah. So let's listen to Jesus children of America. Hello, Jesus, Jesus, children, Jesus loves you, Jesus, children, hello, children, Jesus loves you of America. Are you hearing what he's saying? Are you feeling what you're praying? Yeah, I love this little message here. Tell me, Holy Roller, are you standing like a soldier? Are you standing for everything you talk about? Uh, that's great. Yeah. That's some great lyrics. And and I, I love his singing. Uh, it's understated, especially the beginning. It's very understated uh, for him. And uh, it's just mm -hmm. really so good and so effective. And again, another just solid groove. So you can you can not even pay attention to the words and just enjoy the the track exactly know? exactly which uh yeah i'm sure that's probably um what you were as a young kid you weren't you know <laughs> i think i got some of it right. i got some of it yeah as yeah a kid. No, that's good you know the the message came through right for sure 
All right, so this next one, we got a, a piano, a really sweet piano ballad. And especially uh, the beginning of it, I thought of, uh, which I'm another huge fan of, is Elton John. This definitely sounds like something like that he oh. would sing, uh, like an Elton John song. It just felt like it. But it's, a, again, a really uh, simple, sweet love song. But also uh, with a little... Um, you know, he's talking about, I think, in this that you have to, that we have to live with our choices, whatever the consequences yeah. of the choices we make, even if it. Yeah, it's heart. There's a lot of heartbreak in this song, too. Yeah, there is. Which, there really is. Uh, which, um, yeah, that's a heavy thought for a 23 year old as well. Right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's listen to All in Love is Fair. is fair in love Love's a crazy game Two people about to stay In love is one they say But all has changed with time the future none can see the road you leave behind ahead lies mystery I mean, if you're in a mood, in a certain mood, right? And to listen to something like that. <laughs> My thought, too, is that um, he changed the way people that soul singers sing songs or he changed the style. Prior to that, it was either kind of raspy soul, like, you know, testifying soul or the real sweet kind of Marvin Gaye and this kind of full throated vibrato. Nobody was doing that before oh. Stevie. And um, now it's like, even now, that's like John Legend, all those people. It's like right. they're all they're all so post-Stevie Wonder. Yeah, you're right. And you know, it's, it, it, it's so funny. It's so true. Like I was saying about the synths before, that's true with that. Because yeah, the fact that all these little runs he takes and everything, that was, that was all brand new. And that was him, a new style. But, uh, you know, people yeah. have co-opted it so much that uh, it's hard. You have, almost have it's to try and listen to it. It's just become part of the vocabulary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you almost have yeah. to try and listen to it with uh, fresh ears or, you know, uh, sort of realizing that this came before all of that. And uh, and there's no precedent. Like, where did he, I, I, my assumption would be he just, that's just the way he sang and he never doubted it. Right. But most singers, you can watch, you can see their ascent into how they develop their own style. Like with Aretha, you can really see that. Like early on, she sounds like Dinah Washington and she slowly develops her own style. Right. Um, with Stevie Wonder, I don't know that that's the case. It's like, who does he eat at he never sounded like anybody. He just sounded like himself. Right, right. Yeah, he just. I, I just think he just has it. it, it it's like in him. It's like all in him, and he's just bringing yeah. it out and giving it to everyone. But yeah, it's like it, it, it's all there. All right. So this uh, this song, 
again, songs like this next one, you hear you hear so much, and it's been used in a lot. It's been used in commercials. It's been used in movies. So you sort of just have to put that aside and just listen to it as a as a song, and it's great. It's like Latin, you know. It's got some Latin soul, and then I love he's throwing in this like Spanish uh, in, in the intro. It's not, you know, it's marginally convincing Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> but he's even he even makes a little joke about it. I think that he he says uh, you know. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's so playful. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's great. But um, let's listen to the Latin tinged. Don't you worry about a thing. sweet message from Stevie because Stevie's going to stand by your side while you explore the world and you know and what it has to offer but he's going to be there by your side yeah this is definitely the sweetest most sort of playful song on the record yeah and um it's super fun it is it's fun and I I was I I read a thing where he said uh that he um he was working on the song and he was in a little store and there was a a Puerto Rican girl and he asked he asked her about what hell I'm working on the song what should I put in there and she gave him some of the lines that uh to Uh, say in there (laughs) okay that makes sense yes I don't know if you've watched the summer of soul film I've heard everyone talk about I haven't got I haven't watched it yet but I, I definitely will but there's a big part of it that is uh, like Mongo Santa Maria and um, Ray Barato. They were these, uh, I think, Cuban, maybe Puerto Rican musicians. But the Latin music was a big, big deal in Harlem. And, well, that was 68. So it, it makes sense that it, it sort of cross-breeded with, with soul music. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, you, uh, you could definitely see something that would be in his wheelhouse and that he would... Uh, enjoy and love and, and i think that opening riff that is a um direct rip from mongo santa maria oh okay yeah. nice nice yeah all right so now we get uh this really catchy it's it, it's a, a deceptively bouncy catchy song that uh, you uh, again i guess maybe when you're listening to it as a kid you could just enjoy that and not get that he's also uh a dissing someone again right right uh, it's because it's about a con artist who's uh, more concerned with money, you know, uh, and status. So, what do you think? All right, well, let's let's listen to a little bit of it and then let's talk. Because I've read, uh, you know, who supposedly this song is about. There's different opinions, but uh, this is a great uh, it's a great album closer too, right? Wouldn't you say? Oh yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, so who, who do you think? Because people have said this about Nixon, who was president at the time. I mean, and that makes sense. Yeah, it was like the the end of the Nixon era. Right. And I think, I don't know when the Watergate stuff started becoming apparent, like, but probably right around then, if when he was making this record. Right. But, I've but heard- it could just be any shady politician, right? There was a lot of corruption and stuff right then. There was, but I also read a theory that it's about Barry Gordy. and that he he purposely put sort of put it out there that oh it's about nixon to hide the fact that he was really singing about barry gordy (laughs) which i don't i have no idea if it's true but that's great if it's true you know and i too read that he had just renegotiated his contracts with motown before this prior to this record so that might be and he got a really good like he got a precedent unprecedented deal oh right 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 but i'm sure yeah and i'm sure it wasn't easy you know i'm sure no, it was, <laughs> there I'm was sure some, it was very difficult yeah, yeah some uh negotiating uh going yeah, back and forth that so, very well could be yeah right yeah it's great let's just say it is on uh, on never <laughs> got me high we're <laughs> definitively <laughs> saying it's really about barry gordy and again aside you got willie weeks uh playing bass on this but then it's wonder doing uh playing and singing everything and, you know, you listen to these songs and it sounds like a, a band. Not only it sounds like a band, but it sounds like a band of excellent players. Like yeah. like if you got the Wrecking Crew or, you know, these great right. top flight musicians <laughs> to play his songs. Right. Everything everything just feels good. Everything's in the in a good spot. There's no one's overplaying or like things aren't missing. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, no, it's it's just stunning. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, uh, like I said, everyone knows Stevie Wonder, but to to dig into this, I actually, you know, I listened to this and then I listened to songs in the key of life. And that really brought me back, like I said, to uh, when I was young, uh, to my older cousin playing that all the time and just uh, listening to these records. There's a reason why they're classics and people, you know, they're they're talked about and and, uh, people have appropriated so much from them. It's because they're just And there is an argument of whether if this is your and I don't know the backstory of it but it's like either this record intervisions or talking book which one of those you pick determines the kind of person you are oh really (laughs) (laughs) and uh talking book is more sort of fun and just straight up funky right there's no there's no message songs on it okay it's all just kind of uh well I shouldn't say no message songs but they're almost all love songs and right I mean it's great but and then, then this record is all pretty heavy lyric content. Yeah, it is. It really is, and it's yeah. and it's really great. And I'm really, I'm really glad you brought this record. Uh, like I said, it's it's a surprise. You know, it's not. You wouldn't draw a straight line between uh, Dolly Varden and uh, and um, Stevie Wonder, right? No, <laughs> but it's there. But it's part of. Uh, it's, I'm sure it's part of. Now, were you playing music already at that time? I was just starting to. Right. So I was okay. I was I learned guitar in 7th grade and I was just probably just starting to write songs. Oh, okay, nice. 
Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 all in there, right? It all goes in there. So so this new yeah. release you put out uh, at the bottom of a canyon in the branches of a tree. Is that uh, are you? Uh, is this just you? Or are you doing? Uh, did you do this with other people? It is just me. So it's me kind of attempting in a. You're in Stevie a, Wonder. Duh. In a yeah, in a much much less accomplished way. But no. I'm playing all the <laughs> playing all the instruments and singing all the parts. Stevie Wonder records, you can hear his voice as the lead vocal and all the backing parts, and it's just I just love that. I, it I is, know, it's great. Some... I love uh, David Bowie is really good at doing that too, at doing yeah. his own backups and just making it. Uh, it's just it when it's done, yeah, when it's done well, it's it's really great. And actually, I was I read a little uh, in the little promo thing for this that you went. Did you go to like a songwriting thing with um, Richard Thompson? Yeah, I did. Um, in 2018, I went to Richard Thompson has a week long songwriting and guitar sort of workshop camp in the Catskills and I I went to that and Patty Griffin was there as well and it was it was awesome. Oh, that, and that's cool and that kind of got your juices going to uh yeah, to, to make yeah. this record, right? That's awesome. We yeah. just did a Richard Thompson uh episode just came out now that I did. And, uh, oh cool. Yeah. Yeah, he's in he's ridiculous. He is ridiculous and he's yeah, like I I said in the episode uh un heralded probably not talked about as much as he should be for just being so such a, a guitar just as a guitar player alone but uh right. a really great songwriter too right and in the workshop thing he'd be sitting there saying well you just do this you know yeah and it's like i can't do that <laughs> right yeah right okay rt <laughs> All right, so where's uh, if someone wants to find this, uh, where's the best place for them to go to find your... Uh, Probably uh, my own website, which is uh, stevedawsonmusic.com, and then all the, all the links to everything branch out from there. Okay, 
Awesome. Well, it was great having you on. Uh, this was a nice, yeah. uh, the early morning session was, was good. It I was feel. fun, and it was fun to go back through the record, you know, that I haven't listened to it in probably a couple of years. So. Oh, okay. It is. It really is, right? Yeah. It, it, it is. It's great. I mean, uh, it's, I, 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 I get kind of sad sometimes because I think you can, we can appreciate it, but you can never go back to how we listened well, to music right. when we were younger, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I know. I still kind of remember this record, though. I remember just sitting there with the record, just like being like, "What is this?" <laughs> I know that's great. Right? I, it, 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 it just blew. It truly blew my mind. Yeah, it's great. All right, well, thanks. Uh, thanks again so much. Uh, yeah. Don't forget, guys. Uh, Instagram and Facebook. It's at that record got me high. Also, that Facebook group got me high. Uh, you guys should go on there. It's like a, it's a lot of fun, actually. And uh, Twitter. It's at trgmh podcast. You could email me at trgmh. 33 at gmail.com I get a lot of really nice emails from you guys and uh, saying that you enjoy the show sometimes you say I got we got one little one or two things wrong but that's fine that's good I, I have a big shoulder so I can tell you. Uh, if it's something we got really wrong I'll, I'll tell Steve maybe I'll tell him. you blame it on me I, I can I usually do blame it on me <laughs> uh, and don't forget most importantly you can go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh and become a patron of the show I would really appreciate it Thanks again for listening, guys. Thanks, Steve. This was great. Mm -hmm. See you guys next week. We are out of here.